Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Last week, it's uh, some of the study from my studies this week. But the big, and this is why I was teasing with Heather earlier, that when she was talking about fruit, that's a big part of the focus that uh, you guys were in over this week. I was talking about bearing fruit and the different levels of bearing fruit and the importance of bearing fruit. And so we're going to go back into that a little bit. I want to go to John 15 as our starting point. Again, there's Bibles in the, the room, around the room underneath the chairs, and there's also you version up and running. Also start behaving again because according to my wife, we are back on live. So if you think about it, you might want to go reshare that again because that, that probably all bombed out on everybody's. So let's do that real quick before I read the Bible. We're going to go share that. Say sorry that we blew you off, but we're back now. Oh, Amanda Howard shared it. Okay. You just shared it, didn't you, Amanda? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to share off of yours. Sweet. Okay, so all they missed was apples. So with that, we're going to go into this particular scripture. We've, we've gone through it before. I like this scripture quite a bit because of the uh, educated biblical imagination aspect of it. This is before Jesus prays the prayer in John 17 that we've been in, uh, but the same night. This is when he has left the upper room. It is after the Last Supper. They are heading to the garden where he'll be doing this prayer. And as they walk, with his final thoughts of what's about to happen and how this will impact those that he's discipling, he shares with them these kind of final thoughts. And within these final thoughts, uh, there's a possibility that they were walking by the synagogue and they were looking at the vines that, that climbed up the synagogue. And he used that opportunity as a teachable moment. If you remember when we go back to... Uh, teachable moments of being able to redirect or use opportunities as the Holy Spirit leads. I believe this is one of those. So I want to start on verse 1, and then we'll kind of pull out a thought within it to be our foundation for the rest of our study. Jesus says to them, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 
when we go through this particular chapter, there's four different stages of producing fruit that Jesus talks about. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and put it up. I was kind of debating. There is a voice, too, talking about branches that produce no fruit. And the sec second voice also talks about those that are producing some fruit. There are those who are producing more fruit, also in two, as, and then much fruit, five and eight. Uh, guess which one is God's will for us to be doing? Much fruit, right. So with this, it gives us a little bit of an examination. If I look in my life, and we talk about all the things that we've been digging into, all through the life of Jesus, all through how to uh, walk like Jesus, how to disciple and reach out to other people like Jesus, there's constantly this invitation uh, for us to stop and say, how am I doing with this? That, that, that's one of my second favorite things to, to talk about when it comes to response. Whenever we read the Bible, what stands out to you? When we go through the Bible, how, how are you doing with that? Not to feel guilt. Uh, if you do feel guilt, sometimes it's appropriate. It's an invitation to grace, and then you talk to the Father, and you're free from it. You shouldn't be carrying guilt. But from a self-evaluation standpoint, it gives me my opportunities of where I can grow, where there is I can continue to work on to be able to move forward on the chairs. Does that make sense? So within that, he's given us these different periods to look at. There is no fruit, which is absolutely not his will for my life. So if I'm sitting there thinking, how am I doing with this? And I'm like, I can't think of anybody I've talked to about Jesus. I can't talk to anybody, uh, think of anybody that I'm, that I'm ministering to or that they're watching me or that I'm doing really anything outside of what everybody else is doing in the world. Then that's no fruit. The fruit he's talking about here is the multiplication of it, so there is no fruit. And the way to move from that, if we're talking about, okay, I move from here to here by accepting Jesus to lead and forgive my life, if I'm not producing any fruit, the way that I move here is I repent. I'm sorry, Jesus, that I have not been mindful. I'm sorry, Jesus, that I haven't been following the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, Jesus, that there's people around me that need you and I'm not representing you. That's how we move from one to the other. It's the exact same four chairs, but just from a different model. How do I reach out to these folks? I repent and I say, okay, Jesus, I need you to, I need you to use me. I need the Holy Spirit to lead me. So here there would, there would be no fruit, but here there's some fruit. The scary part that Jesus says if there's no fruit, what happens? God removes it. God removes it. And we can go into some big theological debate exactly what that means. All I know is I don't want to be that. So I want to move forward by, by repenting. So that, that's our first action step if we find ourselves in this place. So that we're producing some fruit. Some fruit. We have an apple tree in our backyard uh, that doesn't look as good as it did when we first bought the place. It's been kind of dying away. It was funny, uh, when we first bought the place, they would drop apples like all summer long. And I think I've shared this story with a couple people, but never like to the whole group. Um, I had a high beam flashlight. High beam flashlight. And... Uh, about 9 o'clock at night when it was real dark, I would go out there and I'd turn that light on. There'd be like three or four raccoons eating up those apples, and I'd just stop and stare at you. <laughs> and then they'd run away into the cornfield, and they turned it off, and you wait like two minutes, and you'd... <laughs> they're like back there like over and over again. We, we don't have that as much anymore because it's dying. It needs to be pruned. It needs to be worked. So in other words, if I have fruit, he's not going cut to me, cut me out and throw me out of the gig, but it means there's some life. There's something that could be worked here that can continue to grow to where my father wants it to be. So if I'm producing some fruit, at least there's some health. There's some sign of some health here. There's some relational something that's going on with Jesus. And my way to move from that into more fruit, when we get in the verse 2, is to let him prune me. Now the thing is, is to be pruned 
it's not always comfortable. You know, it's just kind of, I'm sure the tree's not thrilled when you're walking up with the prune, you know what I mean? Like if it had some kind of human emotions. It's not always comfortable. So if you're sitting in a time like this and he's like, yeah, you know, it's been like 10 years since I led somebody to the Lord or talked to somebody about Jesus or whatnot, well, it might sting a little bit to come to that realization, but that's okay, you just prune it away. Or if, if someone says something to you at, at work, um, and they're, they're saying, like, hey, you're, it's just so cool that you're a Christian, and I just love, love watching a Christian walk, you know, and that, oh, that's cool. It's cool. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. It's just so cool, to, you know, how you just you cuss and you go drinking with us and everything else. Uh, there, might be some, there might be some cutting in there to be able to move to having more, more food. So if I, he prunes me, and then I'm doing more food, then, what's the next step? Do you, do you, by the way, did you notice it's kind of going right along with the four chairs? So now, if I, to produce much fruit, which, look, verse 5, uh, I'm the vine, you're the branch, whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is, bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So now that things are moving, and I want to mature within it and have much fruit, Jesus twice brought that word into it to be able to take it to another level the way I'm supposed to be. Then now I'm abiding in him. And we've been talking about abiding quite a bit over the last 10 weeks of his glory, resonating his glory, living in his glory, revealing and, and, and moving out his glory. So since JT made fun of how many apples I had, we want to go from that to that to that. And I'm going to be honest, I did buy too many apples. To that, to that, to that, to that. There's three more. Let's get them into heaven. Okay. Are you guys still with me? But this is a mindful decision we make. This is a mindful, um, consistent choice that you and I make to abide in Christ more to be able to have more impact into this world more. So here's what I want to do is moving into the practical end of this, of how we do this. And to do that, uh, with, I'm going to do it with Lisa's help. I want to go through, for the last seven Sundays, if you go to Facebook events and look at past events, look at the title of each and every week and what we looked at and how that comes into our lives. So we're going to start out with the first one. This is the things that you and I choose to do to be able to grow when it comes to producing fruit. So the first one there is reveal. And I'm going to give you the scriptures or the key voice from the John 17 prayer that we looked at each time. Again, this is all recap, but it's just getting it all back on the table with us. Uh, John 17:6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. To reveal, we're doing everything we can to reveal the Father to those God brings into our lives through teaching, through modeling, exhorting, and prayer. And I'm going to repeat those because the note takers are good ones to get down. When we're revealing, it's through teaching, modeling, exhorting, and prayer. That's one of the ways we choose to be able to grow. Next one is this, speak. I talk about speaking. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed 
that you sent me. We speak by listening well as we study God's word, which means we are in God's word. That we listen well when we study God's word with an ear to hear what the Spirit wants to say to us, and then speaking to those God has brought into our lives, the words that he has put into us. In other words, anything I get from the scripture is not just for Tom. It is now the responsibility of Tom to be able to spread out to others. Next one is prayer. We grow in our prayer. I am praying for them, Jesus says. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Prayer, intentionally prioritizing those God has put around us and lifting them up in weekly prayer. In other words, realizing wherever I'm at, whether it be home, sports, work, school, or any place else I hang out, it is a mission field, period. Period. And I'm there on mission. And so in this aspect of prayer, then I'm intentionally, so choosing, to prioritize, to put at the top of the list, those that God has entrusted to me in my mission fields. Next one is protect. Talked about protecting. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. To protect means that you are carefully observing and then exhorting all disciples in an effort to protect them from the evil one. This is where the, the loving confrontation comes in this place. This is uh, when we start reaching out to each other for those that are struggling or maybe getting off the path. The next one is send. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Got one to put on a posty note. Slap up some place that you see it often. To be sent means we are personally living a sent, missional lifestyle and then helping our disciples to be able to do the same. Our next one is sanctify. If I go too fast, let me know. I'll send you the notes later. Sanctify. What's that? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do my best. And for the sake I consecrated myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Do this by consecrating our own life, in other words, growing our holiness as we follow the Lord, to provide a shield of protection for our disciples, knowing that we reproduce who we are. Remember that week when we were talking about, am I worthy to be reproduced? That we can only reproduce that which we are, so we continue to sanctify ourselves, lean into the... God the way that Christ did to be able to reproduce that in others. And then the last one is share. The glory that you have given me, Jesus says, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. When we share, we are building up and sharing with our disciples any honor that comes our way, teaching and encouraging them to keep their eyes on the future glory that we will one day fully experience. Reveal, speak, pray, protect, send, sanctify, share. All on the same page so far? Who did not get a bulletin today? Okay, M, you on bulletins? Katie needs one. And then Viv, <laughs> they're like, oh, I didn't know you were bringing it to me. <laughs> Howard, Tommy, now listen, Nate, if you, you do not have one, like let's say you as a couple, we're about, about to go through some sheets. If you want to do these sheets as individuals and your wife got one, man, raise up your hand. 
Okay, if you want to do it as a couple, that's fine, as long as you're not doing it in some kind of like, I'm not going to do this type attitude, but just make sure you got the sheets. That's what we're working on. Anybody else want sheets? We got sheets up here. Ryan's like, I can't walk to you. I was going to share Allie's, but she said I can't. No, no. She was going to. No, you don't want Allie's. Allie's kind of jacked up. Anybody else? She's my friend. She is. Anybody else? Emily's looking at you. Okay, thank you, baby. Get into there, and you're going to find three sheets in there that look kind of chart-like like this. This is when we're going to get very, very mindful. You also want to get a pen out. If you don't have a pen, there's pens in the backs of many of the chairs around you that you can use. So you can share a pen, if Allie will let you. Okay. Yeah. Everybody good? Everybody should have three of them. Along the top, one says pre-Christians, one says young Christians, and one says committed worker. You got them? If you are home and you don't have these sheets, all you got to do is get a piece of paper and just and, and fill these out. Pre-Christians, and there's a place for three names there. Young Christians, there's a place for two. Committed worker, there's a place for one. Starting out with the pre-Christians. This is you being mindful of who is in chair one in your life that you're supposed to be reaching out to. This is going to be more from kind of an evangelist, uh, evangelism standpoint. Who are the three people? Now, I'm not going to have you fill out the whole chart right now, but I am going to ask you to get the three names. And if I can't get three names, one of two things is happening. Either there might be some things I need to repent about because I'm not mindful and really even been concerned about the people around me. Possibly. Possibly. That's how I'm going to move. Just, just talk to Jesus about it. That's how we're going to move forward. We're going to work a little bit harder on this. The other thing that might be is you don't know three non-Christians. Either maybe you walk out of the house now after the pandemic. Maybe you don't go out and about, maybe you just hang out with Christians and that's the only people you really feel comfortable being about. That's another thing to just let you know is not working. It's not working. We are called to lead people to the Lord, baptize them, and to disciple one another. So we're called to know people that need Jesus as well as hang out with people that encourage us and we encourage them. Does that make sense? So part of your first steps and your missional could be how do I establish some relationships? You don't understand, Tom. I'm really introverted, and I don't like to do anything except for sit on social media. Then get on your social media. Who do you know that's not on social media that you can identify that needs Jesus? We're not doing this in some kind of way like we're trying to recruit them to our cult. We're trying to tell people about Jesus, right? So who, who, what relationships can I foster there? What maybe new hobby do I need to, to, to do or volunteer someplace that I need to do? Because quite frankly, I'm sitting in my apartment or my house all the time because I've been depressed and I don't feel useful and I don't think God can use me. Well, no wonder you feel that way because you're sitting in your house in the dark. Maybe it's time to make a step to be able to go forward and foster these kind of relationships. It should not be hard for us if we're missional Christians. I'm not saying second tier missions of Christians. I'm saying missional Christians to have three people that I know that needs Jesus. List their names there. Here, let me... I need to find my pen. Anybody got an extra pen? I don't think I bought one up. Huh? Tammy's got me covered. Wait, is this your pen or an extra? Okay, you're awesome. Really, saloon? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. 
So tell me, not, not last names, not last names. Somebody give me a first name of somebody on the list. Go. Sarah. Next one. Christy. Christy, okay. Another one. Christine, okay, I like it. Christine. Christine. No one's going to see it. Okay, I've got it. <laughs> then as you look, the mindful part is later today, uh, or you, you can do it while I still talk, it doesn't bother me at all, is looking down from, from Sarah. What's my next step? There might be a next step in every area here, possibly. My guess is there's going to be a next step in one or two of these areas. I need to reveal to Sarah. Not so much, uh, you know, protect in this, this particular case, but I really need to be praying for her. And put areas of what you can do tangibly this week in these situations so that you start reaching back to the chairs behind you and start reaching, helping people move forward. Okay, I'm still pausing because I don't know if everybody wrote down three names. And if you don't, that's a whole other project for you to do. We'll be praying over that for you too. Okay. Young Christians, you're going to notice there's not three, but two. Young Christians, as you're looking back at people that are in chair two, you might be in chair two as well. That doesn't mean that you can't take what you have had and take and lead out to others. So pre-Christians, you're kind of cultivating relationships, planting seeds, reaping seeds. But with new Christians, you're helping them learn life skills. You're going to help them low light skills. So actually, and this might be a good one to write on the back of this or something of that nature, um, but there are five basic life skills that we need physically, and I'm convinced that we need them physically because Christ is trying to teach us something about us spiritually. So when we're working with new Christians, we are helping them learn what their new identity is. What is their identity now that they've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven their lives? We are teaching them how to feed themselves, how to be in the Word, understand the Word, apply the Word. This is the number one goal that we have for our youth group age. When it comes to our kids, we'll make sure that they understand the basics of the Bible, that they understand the Bible stories, how the Bible stories are relevant today. For our youth, how do I read the Bible? That's why we ask a lot. What stands out to you is making you think about the Scripture. How do I apply this to my life? This is true for anybody who's a baby Christian as well, no matter what age they are. Uh, we need to learn how to walk. So we're helping them learn how to walk in Christ. Talk in Christ. And how to clean themselves through Christ. So two names for young Christians. Somebody give me a name. Don't, don't let it be a Christine or Christina because I've I got my quota of C's and K's. Okay. One. Aiden. Aiden. Next. Amber <laughs> Okay, I got two names that are very, very easy to figure out who they are if they know them. Okay. okay. Yep. Committed worker. <laughs> you should have two there. That one might take you a little bit longer to think about, but make sure you're thinking about it. Make sure you're getting mindful about these things. Yeah, committed worker, there's one. Hmm? Yeah. Yep. Committed worker is one. So this is somebody that's a chair three, chair four. This is someone that is investing into your life, and this is someone that you're investing into their life. Okay, so you have, have a mentor that you're mentoring. Um, you might want to write on the back of sheet this one, too. This is, these are the main things that you need. I don't have it on the screen for you. But if you write the word after, but no E, put like a little parenthesis thing in there, or whatever those comma things are. After, but no E. 
This is what it stands for. People that are committed workers need to learn how to be available, how to be faithful. We cannot please Him without faith. Anything done without faith is a sin, right? We learn that. We have to be teachable. And we need to be able to respond to His leadership. How to respond to His leadership. Somebody got a name? Joe? Joe? Did I hear Joe? Yes? Okay. Sweet. And then we'll go through those today and figure out what our next steps are. Because if you've been following along in your book at all, I now finally can completely fill out this thing in the back corner with Sarah. I'm going to misspell names. Don't worry about that. Christy? And I think somebody said Christine was with a, right? Then I got young Christian new believers. I've got Aiden and Anne Berlin and Joe. How much would your life change if you actually do this? How purposeful would your life become if you actually do this? That took like 10 minutes. Spend 45 minutes in prayer over what the next steps are. And then start re- reproducing what's within you that's worthy of being reproduced. This is all we've been talking about. This is what we've been leaning into. If I go, let's see, let me read this to you. This is in my book. This is kind of crazy. And this is the type of thing, like, I've, I've been in sales and marketing uh, all through my 20s, and they redo this kind of stuff all the time, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. But th- th- truly, listen to this for a second. This is in Dan's book. Uh, he says, don't make this harder than it is. Imagine 10 years from now, if each year you prioritize a few and teach them to do the same. For illustration's sake, imagine with me that every three years, like Jesus, you would just multiply his life- lifestyle to three others teaching them to do the same. At the end of 10 years, that would be 100 of you reproduced. At the end of 20 years, that would be over 1,000 of you reproduced. In John 14, 12, where we're at, Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, it believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. So if you're not doing the works he's doing, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Wouldn't it be great 20 years from now you have multiplied your life in over 1,000 disciple makers? So there's apples, huh? And there's encouragements that I said that you weren't off the hook for yet. Oh. Everybody loves when I do this one. It's time for the microphone. Here's what I want to hear. We good? If anybody in your life has ever discipled you in any way, shape, or form, if anybody in your life has made a difference for you spiritually, if there's anybody from a parent to a grandparent to anybody else in the sun to somebody that you knew in junior high school that did something or said something that made a difference in your life, and I'm expecting as many people as we can get because if anybody in here can honestly say nobody has ever touched their life, you're a liar. 
And you don't have to go on for 20 minutes, but to come up and share just a little bit about the difference that somebody else made in your life. Do me a favor, just put your app on the altar and then come share. Um, I went to an alumni banquet last night. It's the ninth one that Elgin had. Um, so they haven't been doing it very long. But besides, like, all my grandparents, uh, well, at least the grandparents on one side, and especially my mother, they were very instrumental. And, you know, you knew they professed Jesus Christ. There was no question at all, you know, uh, what they stood for. Um, but I realized last night, um, because they would have different ones talk from different classes and just some of the things that they were sharing, that one of the things that they said was, like, so many of the classes don't even have, like, class reunions, much less where they have, like, an alumni organization where they pull together and they actually raise money and give scholarships to the students and everything. And what I realized was what a good Christian community I lived in. Um, there were people from, I, I told somebody last night, I said, I can't believe, believe you don't remember me. And well, I'm 65 now and she was my third grade teacher. <laughs> So it was like um, we laughed about it and everything, but um, I don't know of anybody that spoke last night, anybody that I talked to that didn't have a faith in God. Um, so it was just really a blessing to realize that there were, I, I lived in the Green Camp area, and there were a lot of small, you know, churches around. Um, I went to... Oh, it's been within the last 10 years, but I went to like, a, um, I think it was like a New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve function uh, one time, and there were only like, um, you know, not even 15 people there at the church that I used to go to, you know. Um, there were more when I was a kid and everything, but I'm just thankful, really thankful, um, you know, and and that's the other reason I think that, you know, these people are still pulling together. They have the common, you know, love of God. And um, it gives them strength in relationships and, you know, for what they do in the community. So That's awesome. Thank you, Tammy. Hello. Um, I'll speak up. <laughs> um, so... I've kind of bounced from church to church to church, and um, I don't have a very good past, and I was trying to find somewhere where nobody in Marion who was at that church knew me, as far as my past, so I could have a fresh break, a clean break. So my, the last church I went to was a wonderful church. And I met my best friend forever, Ross Jones, there. And uh, she treated me as an equal. She treated me as a fellow Christian. And I wanted to know if I had a true friend. 
and I told her of my past. And she said, in God's eyes, sin is sin. And she says, I don't judge you. We've been best friends after that. And um, I was asked why I wasn't coming to church here because of ever coming here. And my reasoning behind it for so long was that there was some people in my life who knew very much knew my past and um, who came to church here. And I was afraid of people knowing too much and me not being accepted. And so I was very leery. Well, some things had occurred and I had left my last church, not happily, but I left. And I went two years without going anywhere. And I finally broke down to over it and I said, okay, take me. He goes, you sure? I said, yes, I'll go to church with you. Mm. And um, I really am thankful to all of you guys for, you know, just saying hello, Sarita, to me on Sunday mornings. I'm like, wow, they remember my name. But to me, that's a huge thing. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I appreciate you guys more than you would ever know. Awesome. Thanks, Sarita. Sarita, did you put your apple up there? Or did you keep it to eat later? What? Sarita. She doesn't know where I'm at. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Sarita, I was just messing with you. Don't mind me. <laughs> Do you want it back so you can throw it at us? Yeah. <laughs> this is taking an ugly turn. I was very, very lucky and blessed as a child to have many people surround me with, with love and with modeling Christ for me, but obviously my mother stands out the most. If anyone's ever heard me talk about my mom or my grandma, they're both amazing people, but um, <clears throat> my mom, I cannot think of one time in my life that she has not been a model of grace and love and forgiveness and consistently speaks life over me. Um, there are a lot of people in this room that fall into that category too. Um, but when I first moved to this area, oh goodness, 25 years ago now, uh, there was a woman at the first church that I attended and her name was Elaine Messenger. And she took me under her wing and taught me how to read a Bible and how to ask questions and and took me to Bible studies and really um, just kind of took me under her wing. And I don't think I'd be where I am now without my mom and her and a lot of people here. So, yeah. um, Someone that stands out to me was my youth pastor, actually, back in the day. Bobby Brown, not the one that sings on stages. <laughs> that would have been That would have been rough, but... Uh, but my youth pastor at the time, Bobby, um, was probably one of the first people that I was always kind of quirky and like probably too much personality for a lot of people. And, um, and he was the first person to see that and to see beauty in it and be okay with it. 
and say like you kind of feel left out a lot don't you and I'm like it's fine yes I'm too much for people and from there um, it was a really beautiful relationship of just growing me and also helping me to see how God's created me and the beauty in that and just as a youth minister or a youth pastor and um, and just really um, igniting a fire for the Lord and um, and I feel like because of how he did that um, I think after youth group is when a lot of people stop or they you know get out of things and so because of um, how he did that relationship it really helped me to grow past that and then um, I would say in in Bible school I had a really great mentor named Sue Nelson and she's so stinking sweet and she was the first person that really helped me to understand discipleship and like a very intentional discipleship and asking really really tough questions and kind of getting me uncomfortable but in a way that created growth and um, I don't I don't think at least for myself, I had never seen discipleship that was intentional ever in a church. Um, and then I was like, man, why is this not? Like, why is this not happening? So uh, it was really beautiful, that, that relationship and how much she pushed me, and that was a good thing instead of me being defensive. So anyway, um, Sue Nelson and then um, Pastor Tom and Jenny. But it's, it's, but it's true, it's, it's so true, and I'm so, so thankful, and um, have pushed me and accepted me and, um, and just uh, walked with me so graciously through so much, and I've been so thankful for the times when you think that someone's going to say, maybe you should, like, sit down for a bit, <laughs> just, maybe you should go for a hot minute. Um, to instead completely embrace it the opposite direction, and um, so yeah, those are those are my people. Thank you, Katie. Love you. So you all know my father. <laughs> um, You're welcome. Yeah. Even though he is an interesting individual, he is the best influence in my life. Um, I. If I wasn't adopted from them, I would have been in a third world country that probably I would have not had Christ, and I probably would have had a very, very tough life there. And whenever I was younger or through growing up and everything, my dad has definitely been the best influence on me. That might not be a good thing, but <laughs> he is a awesome amazing person even though he does annoy the crap out of me but um, I also want to thank Viv for being my sister figure in my life and pushing me in a way that I haven't seen myself be pushed and I really appreciate her in my life and my walk through Christ um, she was definitely the person when I started going to youth group I wanted to be close to her because we are on the same level so I appreciate you more than anything so I appreciate my dad and Viv more than anything Love you. first I just want to look at everybody <laughs> wow 
It's wonderful to see everyone. Thanks, Tom. Um, I wouldn't have bet a month ago I'd been standing up here, let alone talking about God and, and what he's doing for me. I've been in three or four different churches over the years, got to know ministers, and we were good friends with them, played golf, you know, and everything. And this guy over here is wonderful. But for 25 years, I have lived with the most lovable person of Christ in this world. She's sitting right back there. She has, she has taught me more about me than anybody else I know. About my faith. About what God means to me. How we get out and we help others. How do, how do I make your day better? That's just Cheryl. And she has taught me these lessons and, and she does it out of love. Not just for me, for everybody, but for God. He leads us in so many ways, but she's my inspiration. And uh, thank you. Let me share that with you. Dell's effectively made every husband in this room look a little lesser than they were when they walked in. <laughs> I look around and I've been, like some of the ones that have already spoke, influenced by a lot of people over the years in my life. Uh, probably the first one that I can think of was my own dad. Uh, I have a couple of half-sisters who tell me all the time what a wonderful daddy is, or was, until he died. And I go along with that. I, I kind of said he was a great dad until he wasn't. Uh, but I don't know whether that soured me a little bit or what, but when I uh, got out of high school, I joined the Navy, and I was told by some other uh, Navy men of equivalent rank that I had at the time that I got saved that uh, when they looked at me they figured that if there was anybody that they knew who needed to go to church it was me so that lets you know where I came from mm -hmm. I was uh, what they called every inch a sailor who <laughs> never went to sea by the way but uh, a pastor of a church down in Pensacola Florida I called him up one time needing some help because I'd made a mess of my life and I had him come over to the house to talk to me and he came in he said Chuck uh, glad you called he says but I don't really have anything I can say to you because you don't know Christ and if you don't know him I can't do anything for you now a lot of people think that that was harsh of him but it was exactly what I needed to hear because it didn't, I couldn't depend on a man to do anything for me. The only man that could do anything for me was Christ. So I appreciate him as my spiritual father because that worked in me until uh, I came to the Lord. And that's where I went to church, by the way, when I, after I came to the Lord was with him. 
uh, he ref was referred to as Brother Gene. So Brother Gene was my first pastor, my spiritual daddy, as it were. Now, being in the Navy, I actually ran a maintenance shop. I had 28 people work for me, some civilians and some military, some that were the same rank as me. But one of the fellows there named Ken, I won't go into his last name, even though nobody here would know him, but he kind of stood beside me and helped me with the idea of witnessing to another one of the guys there who, uh, I, you know, we, he taught me a little bit about witnessing. We, we worked together with this, on this guy. And at one point in our lives, he said, I don't know why you guys are always talking to me about this Jesus. And Ken said, well, it's because we love you. Now, I didn't know until, a few, until just a few years ago whatever happened to him because I got transferred. Never saw anything about him until actually I'd already retired from the Navy and I found him on Facebook and he was witnessing on Facebook. So I don't know how he came to the Lord, but he was now following Jesus and still is. And uh, so he's one of my Facebook friends. I've been blessed with a lot of pastors because being in the Navy for a long time and then moving around. And, uh, I've been to a lot of different churches and I've been part of a lot of different churches. And uh, I've known a lot of really, really great pastors. And I include the one we've got right here, by the way, as one of the greats that I've known. I don't want to embarrass him. <laughs> But uh, I appreciate him. I appreciate Brother Gene. I appreciate uh, too many of them to name. A couple of different pastors named Roger. Cindy even knows one of them. But uh, just a lot of good people that I've known over the years. And I've been blessed to talk to people about Jesus all my life. Or not all my, all my Christian life because my life really didn't begin until I became a Christian. But Jesus means a lot in my life. And I wouldn't be around. I still would. I, you know, I'd be dead, I'm sure, because there's many things that he brought me through that I wouldn't have gone through without him. So as far as influential people, I've got a list longer than both of my arms, but... I just want to know that we each are important to somebody and each one of us need each one of us. I need all the people here. You all influence me. I appreciate what Emily said. She's, you know, that's terrific. She's an influence. Viv, yeah, you're an influence. My son and the Lord here, JT and his wife, their influences. It's just each one of you, I could call each one of you out by name and say that you've touched my life in one way or another while I've been here. And I want, to know, want you to know that I appreciate each and every one of you because we all need to move up the chairs. Uh, I don't know exactly which one I claim to be on, but uh, 
I think a little bit of them. He's on all of them. <coughs> and I know I'm supposed to be up there on the fourth one, but anyway, I'm not going to keep talking. I see other people with apples. Thank you, Chuck. I'm going to sit down. Uh, yeah. People that influenced me in my life was a lady named Jody Fosco. She was going, um, discipling me through a book so I could understand Jesus more. And then there's my mom, who has always had my back when things were going downhill. Um, there was Pastor Luke and Pastor Tom, always pushing to get me to do stuff that I don't like doing. You're welcome. <laughs> um, most of the, mostly I miss my mom a lot because I could sit down and have coffee with her every day in the, in the afternoon when she got back from work and we'd be just talking away and my husband would get mad because I wasn't home to cook because <laughs> I was busy hanging out with my mom. But you all have been all, all have been very open-hearted and open-armed, and <laughs> I thank you all for that. Thank you, sweetie. Let's hope I can do this without crying and stuff. I'm guessing. Anyway, <laughs> years ago, I mean, I had lost about well, I was not that old, but I lost about everything, and. I lived on Chestnut Street, and like I said, I was not a very nice person at the time, had a lot of problems. And this lady, I was outside, and this lady from down the street came, and she talked to me like I was just a regular person, and she told me about Jesus, and she invited me to her house. I never did go, but it was just that ideal. And then later on, I met my husband, and we both had a lot of problems, alcohol and drugs, but Jesus changed my life and made a difference. And I want to make a difference in other people's lives. And um, when my Dale made me cry because that's how I feel about Cheryl. Cheryl has been such a blessing to me. Well, Dale and Cheryl both have been a blessing to me. But um, I'm just glad for everybody here, and I'm not a very good talker, so. <laughs> Thank you, Ms. Gilda. I had a pretty rough life growing up. Um, I had a dad that uh, you know, he drank. He wasn't always nice. Um, but I had a mom that, you know, I swear, you know, she's an angel on earth. And... Even with that, um, I think my dad kind of counteracted that to where um, I still couldn't find my way to God. And then I met my wife, Lynn, and even though I was a smoker, a drinker, a cusser, uh, a thief, um, she touched me, I mean, she, she went to church. She got me at least thinking about God. But even with that, I still couldn't knock that door down, that wall down to God. 
and uh, I tried going to church, and every church I went to, it just seemed like the pastor was more of a, a pointer and a blamer and just made me feel worse about my life. Didn't really draw me to God. It, it, it just kind of pushed me farther away because all I could think about is, well, you know, they act like they're so perfect, but I'm sure they've done things. And then I came to my grandson's um, christening. I think that's what you call it. Um, here at the Shepherd's Fellowship. And I met Tom. And I heard his story about his past. And I thought, wow, he is just like me. And I just, I can just connect with Tom. And that brought me closer to God. And, and with Tom there with me, I was able to kick that wall down. And now I, got, I have God in my life. And I really want to thank you, Tom, for that, for being honest about your past and letting me know that nobody's perfect. But you can leave your past in the past. Mm -hmm. And you can have an, an awesome future with God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. I love you. So do me a favor. If you still got an apple and you haven't eaten it, and put it up there. Um, some of us are in the woods. I know we don't like to get up and talk. Some of us have the essence of time. There might be three or four people who are going to talk, but then we had to cut it short. Do me a favor. If you had somebody who made a difference in your life, just go up and put the apple on there and say the name as you're putting it down, and then you go back to your seat. If you have any problems walking up that far, just let somebody beside you know and they'll take it for you. For me, it's Nancy Hypes. My parents have been huge influences in my life. Both have installed different things into me that I greatly, greatly treasure and need. 
I loved talking about the Lord with my father. But when I was younger, my formative years, mom was the spiritual leader in our home. So my apple's in honor of her today. That's much food. And the difference that happens is when we get invested ourselves, then someday, somewhere, someone else is going to say your name. And more than likely, it won't be on this side of heaven. But to hear your name in heaven, in that regard, will be worth anything. There is no cross that I can look at without looking past it and saying, that's the joy. This next slide is from your book. And it's the challenge that Dan leaves us with. When he looks at Holy Spirit power, and these are the different ways that are expressed in your book on page 199, he says this, here's my challenge. Ask the few people you listed if they like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to walk as he walked. Trust the Holy Spirit for leading and wisdom. Pray regularly for those he sends to you. Learn obedience by stepping out in faith. Study the word and discuss it with your friends. Exalt the Father in all that happens. Love and care relationally for those friends by imparting your life to them. Then you will be walking as Jesus walked. This is not complicated. It just takes obedience and faith. Trust and obey for there's no other way the hymn says. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.